Thank you very much. Take your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And stand with me as you turn, the Christmas story, isn't it? A wonderful story and thankful for our Savior. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through verse 38 as you turn and Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 through verse 38. And in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and, thou sh- and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of the Highest. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this passage of scripture. And uh, we thank you for the story of your son coming to this earth. And not, not just his birth, but what he came for, his death on the cross and his resurrection. I pray, Lord, that you draw our attention to this passage and speak to our hearts. Give me wisdom in the words that I say, that I would say what you'd have me to say and the way you'd have it to be said. And Lord, that you'd speak to each one of our hearts this morning. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Title of the message is a message from an angel. In verse 26 it says, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Now the word angel just simply means messenger. And the message that the angel carried was not his message. It was God's message, wasn't it? And that's what made his message so incredible. It wasn't Gabriel's message. It was the message of God to man through an angel, through the messenger. And it's an incredible story that he would, he would show up and begin to draw her attention to, not merely a story, but an account of what we see here in this passage of Scripture. But it, it wasn't just a message for Mary. If you notice, it's in your Scripture. That's why we know about it. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God meant this message not to be a private message just between the angel and Mary, but to be a message for all of us. That we would know who Jesus was. That we would know what he, who He was and what He came to do for us. It's an incredible story. I, I think about this passage of Scripture and this message. And I, I'm reminded of Proverbs 25:11. It says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Anybody have someone speak a word to you right when you needed it? Maybe it was a word of encouragement. And maybe it was a word of prayer. Uh, you were in need and, and God sent somebody along to you with a message, a word of encouragement, a hope. I, I think of the scripture and when it talks about church, it says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And often when we think of that not assembling of ourselves, we think of the exhortation that comes from a pulpit or across a podium in Sunday school. But it says exhorting. Uh, there's an exhortation that comes between one another. 
I think God brought you here on purpose, not just to hear something, but to share something. Someone that you were meant to be an encouragement to. Someone you were meant to lift up and be an encouragement to today. And so God says, don't forsake it. Not only do we need the teaching and the preaching of the word of God, but we need the encouragement that comes from other believers. Like a word fitly spoken in due season. One of the first times I remember hearing these words read, it was late at night on the radio. Do you remember that? I think every once in a while, we, my parents, we'd, we always got sent to bed early when we were kids, way too early, all right? I remember looking out the window and my friends were still playing outside. And I was like, Mom, what in the world? And, uh, and, but she'd send us to bed and we'd lay away and, you know, we would, we would try to pretend that we were sleeping. I had a mirror strategically placed that I could see the door. All right. And so if, if dad came up the steps, I saw him coming. Pastor Adam did not. And, uh, Pastor Adam fell prey every once in a while talking and goofing off. And I got the warning and he did. I didn't warn him. I just looked, man, you're on your own at this point. Right. And boom, you're busted. All right. And, uh, but, uh, I remember every once in a while we might stay up late and we'd listen to the radio. How many remember the old, uh, that show unshackled? You remember it on the radio. As a matter of fact, now I'm really, you know, kind of dating myself, not on an app, but on the radio. Right. Unshackled. It would come on later. And then I think it was after that, some fellow would come on. I don't remember what he was doing, whether it was a scripture reading, but I remember his voice reading this verse. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. And there's something about a word spoken at the right time. Christmas reminds us that of a message of hope a message of the Savior, and uh, the world tries, in many ways, tries to duplicate somewhat around it, or uh, many of the, how many of you have certain movies you watch around Christmas? How many of you watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life at some point, all right? Try to watch that with my kids. Sam, have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? You're going to see it this year. He has no clue who Clarence is, all right? We're going to correct that. It's in black and white. Everything's gray, so I'm sorry. You're going to have a lesson, you know. Well, you watch certain things. It's, it's a wonderful life or white Christmas. I remember watching those uh, growing up and certain things. And there's a message to them that's a, a message of hope, right? Hallmark puts out about 10 of them each year. And they're the same movie every time, a little bit different faces. Sometimes they're not even different faces, right? All right. But try to have a, a message or some encouragement or some kind of hope. But there's no replacement for the true message of Christmas, is there? No replacement. It's an incredible story. What our Savior Jesus did for us. His birth. In this passage of scripture, the Lord's opening us up, opening up with those words fitly spoken. That were like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Not merely for, for Mary in her day, but for you and I today. The incredible Christmas story that went on into the, the resurrection story, the Easter story. That bring us incredible joy, hope and comfort in our present life. It's an incredible story. And here it is, Mary, a time that was no doubt a dark time for the nation as a whole. It was a dark time for the nation as a whole. They, this wasn't at the height of David's kingdom or Solomon's kingdom. This wasn't even in the downward trend of what would follow in a divided kingdom. This was in the time of a conquered kingdom. The people of Israel were a conquered people, and Rome had their thumb over them, taking their taxes and making them labor. As a matter of fact, the Lord, in his walk on earth, would even give instruction to the people of Israel on how to live under the, 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 the thumb of, of Rome and still be a witness. He would talk about them that he that bids you to carry, go with him a mile, go with him twain. And it was a picture legally at the time of Jesus that a Roman soldier could come to them and have any Jew that he wanted carry his, his things with him for a mile. And they were a conquered people. They had to carry it for a mile. And God said, I'm not telling you just go with a mile. Go with them twain. Go two with them. Be a testimony for me. It was a dark time in that they were a conquered people. 
Here is Mary, and of the line of David, we know this. She came from a royal line, and yet she didn't find herself in a palace. She, she found her in a little town of Nazareth. Nathaniel, when Philip would tell him about the Messiah that would come, he would say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? What good thing can come from that place? She wasn't a woman of wealth. She was probably knew poverty and knew those things and didn't have those things. And yet, one time, here the Lord sends a message to her through, through the angel Gabriel and says, I have a message for you. Thing I see, several things I see about this message. It's a message of God's grace. Look at verse 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. Take note of that word, highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. That word favor has at its root God's grace. A matter of fact, specifically, that word in favor in verse 30 is translated as grace in other places of Scripture, depending on its context. One of the places it's translated that way is in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. But the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. It is the fact that was is revealed in that verse is that God notices. That God notices. Here is Mary. She's in a dark time for the people. We don't know all, certainly all the things surrounding her life. But God looked down and he saw Mary and said, Thou art highly favored among women. I think of the Christmas story. It's a, it's a story for everyone, but God doesn't leave out individuals, does he? I think of the first one that shows on the scene, Brother Anthony mentioned this morning, we think about it through Christmas, Zacharias. There in the temple performing his duties, a good man and a faithful man who loved his Lord. And yet he was up in age and they hadn't had a child. And the angel Gabriel comes to him and tells him he's going to have a child. We see Zacharias, we see his wife Elizabeth. The Lord makes mention of who they are. They would have John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. Uh, we see Mary. And in this passage of scripture, God calls attention to her name. We see Joseph. Talk about a devastating thing it news it was for him when he found out Mary was with child. This was the woman who he had been betrothed to, that he had gone away and was now preparing a place for her and a home for her and was working on it and building it and get it ready. And soon he would return to take her back with him, but they were legally married. And now he finds out that while he's away, his wife is expecting. And obviously the news of the Lord comes to him and says to him and says, this is the Christ child. He could have put her away privily, but he, he didn't. He heard the word of God. Then we think of Mary. We think of Joseph. We think of Simeon. We think of Anna in the temple. Christ's child coming. God took note of the individual. Thou art highly favored, Mary. God has seen you. God has shown his grace upon you. God has taken notice of you. The, 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 the thing in that story is that God noticed Mary. And God has not changed his nature. That same word again in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto who? All men. That verse teaches me that God notices all men. He isn't just moved for the compassion of the multitude. He's moved with compassion for the individual. I'm thankful for the stories like feeding 5,000 and feeding 4,000. The Sermon on the Mount, the Olivet Discourse. But how about the woman at the well? How about Nicodemus at night? How about uh, Nathaniel and, and Philip? How about the individuals we read about through Scripture? God is moved with compassion for the multitude, but he also takes notice of the individual. 
the grace of God. Can I tell you something? God notices you. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Yet God notices. The scripture reminds us in John 3 why he notices us. For God so what? Love the world. Why does God notice you? Because he loves you. The incredible story of Christmas is that God took note of, of Mary, and there is a lesson for each of us. God takes notice of each of us in our life. He has looked down from heaven, and he has singled you out, and he knows you. Think of the people of Israel in, in Egypt, and they're in their affliction and in their bondage, and the Lord would tell Moses later, he would say, I visited my people in their affliction. He had seen their heartache, and he had seen the things that they were going through, and God took notice God took notice of, of Moses as he floated down the river. God took notice of Mary. God took notice of not only the multitudes, but the individuals. And the incredible thing of this story is a picture of God's grace and mercy that he notices us. Most of us have probably been in circumstances of life where we have thought God has forgotten about us. Or maybe we're in a place of life we wish God would forget about us because of the way we live. But the reality is, God has noticed the grace of God. That he looks down from heaven, and he doesn't just see everybody else, he sees me. He looked down upon Mary, and he said, thou art highly favored. Zacharias, I've noticed. Elizabeth, I've noticed. Mary, I've noticed. Joseph, I've noticed. Simeon, I've noticed. Anna, I've noticed. We could go through the page of scripture and it's, it's, how about the lineages of the genealogies of the Old Testament? Those things you dread to read, right? And yet their names are recorded. God took notice. God took notice. One of the incredible messages of the Christmas story is that God sees you and I. It's a message of God's grace. It's a message of salvation. Look at verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name, what? Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. What a God we serve. A message of salvation, a message of a savior. Mary, you're going to have a child and his name is Jesus. It's a New Testament translation of the Old Testament name for Joshua, Jehovah, your salvation. It spoke of the picture of Christ as that he would be our savior. The Lord would told Joseph to name the son uh, Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. It was a message of salvation. Not only that God took notice, but God has a means of salvation. I'm glad that God doesn't just notice us in our affliction, but he provides a way out of our affliction. I'm glad that God doesn't just notice us in our sin, but he provides us a way out of our sin. That God doesn't just notice us in our bondage, but he provides a way out into victory in our life. God's means of salvation was provided that day. The Son of God. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We just rang, read, sang the song a few minutes ago by Ron Hamilton, Born to Die. Born to Die. From the moment he came into this world, his purpose was to die. And not a purposeless die, but a, but a, a death of purpose, one that he was going to die as he took our sin upon him. 
that he would bear your sin and my sin. The wages of sin is death. That is the consequence of sin. Lest you think sin is no big deal, look to Calvary and see its horror. Nails through hands and nails through feet, the cat of nine tails, the crown of thorns upon his head. God's judgment of sin is revealed at the cross. It is not only God's love seen at the cross, but the serious nature of sin that's seen at the cross. If you think God won't judge sin, merely look to the judgment he poured out upon his own son. And Jesus came to bear our payment, to pay for our sin. Mary recognizes this as she would sing later in this chapter. Look at verse 46 as she would sing. She says, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my what? Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. Mary knew that she needed a savior. That blows up some false doctrine in this world, doesn't it? Mary knew she needed a Savior, my Savior. She knew the one she carried was going to be the Son of God who would save his people from their sins. I think of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, as he stood at the Jordan River and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Joseph, as he, as he slept that night, as the Lord gave him the vision and said, he's the Christ child, you'll name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. There is a Savior who died on the cross for our sin. There is a Savior. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. A simple trust in a Savior who came to this earth, born in the manger in Bethlehem, lived his life without sin, and died on a cross that you and I might be saved. May of 1995, Madera Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, it hit me over the head. Not that Jesus didn't die. I knew he had died. Not that he wasn't the Son of God. I knew. But that night it became personal to me. His grace. He took note of me. I needed him. I needed him. And he saved me from my sin. Gave me a home in heaven. A message of salvation. A message of salvation that has nothing to do with who I am or what I do, but everything to do with who he is and what he did for me. That he loved me so much that he died on the cross and rose again three days later that I might be saved. He's, I'm not even keeping myself saved. <laughs> He's keeping me saved. He said, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. That day that he saved me, he put me in his hand and he holds on to me. And Ephesians tells me till the day of redemption, he's hanging on to me. It's not me hanging on to him. It's him hanging on to me. My life hasn't been perfect, but my savior's got a hold on me. And he's going to hold that until the day I see Jesus. To as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. He saved me by his spirit, made me his child, and he's bringing me into glory. And the angel looks at Mary and he says, Mary, I've got a message for you. It's a message of God's grace that's for you and for all men. And it is a message of salvation, not through your work, but through the work of the one who's about to be born and what he's going to do for you. It's a message of salvation. I tell you what, Christmas, if you don't know him, it's time to know him. If you do know him, it's time to rejoice in who he is and what he did for you. 
to lift our voices up and sing and try to hit the high notes of the Christmas songs. <laughs> all right? Squeak it out. When we get to heaven, maybe all of us will be able to hit those notes. All right? For now, Miss Lydia, you can hit them for us. All right? All right? The Christmas story. To rejoice. To rejoice in who he is. He said, he looks at Mary, he said, it's a message of, of grace. It's a message of salvation. It's a, it's a message of a kingdom, of hope. Look at verse 32. And he shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest. Then take notice of this. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Boy, God had given a promise a long, long time ago. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, he told Satan, you'll bruise his heel, but he'll bruise your head. There will be enmity between the seed of a woman and, the, and, and your seed. He said, the seed of a woman, the per first picture of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone who God would reach down and put his hand in our, and his son Jesus would come in in the virgin birth. I think if jo, as the Lord would go through, jo, through to tell Joseph the prophecies and that Jesus would come from the line of Judah and that the, king would, the throne would never leave the line of Judah. And we think of David and the promises there. That day is coming, friend. Keep your finger here and go to the book of Revelations. Go back to the, to the back of the book, if you will. Revelations chapter 19. It's a sobering passage of Scripture, but it's also a hopeful passage of Scripture. Revelations chapter 19, we see the, the sober part of it in verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. That's Jesus, friend. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he shall tread at the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Chapter 20 and verse 11, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was, no, and there, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up the death which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning 
and the end. Boy, there's coming a day. Friend, he looks at Mary and says, there's coming a day. I know Rome sits upon the throne. I know Herod reigns here. And I know one day it'll be Pilate. And kingdoms shall rise and fall as the grass and the wind and the flower fadeth. But the word of God shall stand forever. And I'm going to tell you, he that is faithful and true will keep his promise. There's coming a day when he's returning in white and robe and his blood vesture dipped in blood and king of kings and lord of lords written upon his vesture and he shall judge the world for its sin and he will uh, and un, and for those who reject him they'll face an eternity separated for, from him but the reality is those who know him will live with him forever it is a sure thing he gave her a hope he gave her hope You may be shortly giving birth to a child in a manger and in a cave. We romanticize it a little bit, don't we? Christmas, we we romanticize it a little bit. It's an incredible story, but there was some hardship for Mary and Joseph. Joseph, a poor carpenter. Mary didn't have much. They may have came from the line of David, but but that had faded. And one day it's coming back on the scene with Christ, but but they didn't have much. The shame... You're going to have a child. The world would look upon her as that she had sinned. Her husband, they had been betrothed, but they hadn't come together physically. And he had gone back, as the tradition was, to repair a place and to build a home for her. And while she was away, she became expecting. And she ran to see Elizabeth. And Matthew hears the noise, or Joseph hears the noise, and, or the sound of the, the story of, that she's expecting. And he's a just man, so he would put her away privately. He could have made it a public matter and called her out for it, but he her away privily, but the voices had begun. Conversations had been spoken. Joseph would marry her, and that's a little picture of Christ. He would accept some of that shame. People would assume that he had stepped out of line. So one of the pictures of Christ, he would take that shame upon him. A hard time. They would travel into Bethlehem. Forced days of delivery, and they would have to travel. No room in the inn, you know the story. And find themselves in a manger surrounded by animals and sheep. She would give birth. Wasn't exactly ideal. I'm sure the wonder of it all stood out to her. She pondered these things in her heart. And I will tell you, the wonder of Christ always outweighs the burdens that we experience in life. I think surely as she it went through those hard times of all of that, even as they had to flee to Egypt to escape Herod's hand and as he would take their life, I am sure as she pondered those things in her heart, the wonder of the child that she held far outweighed the burdens of life. And there is truth to that, Christian. God does not promise the Christian a burdensome life. And if, and if you are weighed down by the burdens of life, let me tell you, Christ is so much greater than any burden you may bear. The Lord said, take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. God asks us to trade our burdens for his because his is light. God does not promise a a burdenless life. He just promises the wonder of the life of serving him far outweighs the burdens of life. There is something greater than any burden you may be carrying and it's the one you represent. But it wasn't easy. But he said, remember this, Mary. Remember this. He is the Savior. And he is King. And you have something to look forward to. I would remind you, Christian, nothing's changed in the nature of Christ. He is the Savior. 
and he is king. And he may let some people squabble around in this world as he allows his will to be done throughout the course of history and his sovereignty unfolds, but there is a reality. He is king of kings and lord of lords, and one day he's coming back to let everybody know it is still so. And I would challenge you with this. If you don't know him today, trust him today. One day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Of things on the earth, under the earth, and above the earth, every knee will bow. But the difference in the way you face eternity is when you bow. Worship him now because it's your opportunity. Worship him now. King of kings, Lord of lords, time of victory and rejoicing. The Lord said, I'll wipe away every tear. Mary would shed tears, wouldn't she? I'm sure as they fled, there was times of tears. How are we going to make it? How about the cross? Read the crucifixion story. I would encourage you to read it. Sometimes you read the Christmas story this season. Mary there at the cross. John is there. Where are those disciples that walked so closely with him for three years? I think Mary looked around and said, where's Peter? Where are these disciples? No, they had fled. These ones that she had. Remember the time when the Lord said, I'll tell you who my disciples are or who my brethren are. These disciples. These. The one that she, he had left home for and didn't have a light to, place to lay his head at night. Yet they fled. Stripped naked in the common hall. Her son. The king of kings and lord of lords, but her son as well. Beaten across the face, his blood, his beard plucked out. Crown of thorns upon his head as they would mock who he was. Purple robes, they would slant, hang around his naked body after beating him only to remove later. Beaten until he was unrecognizable as a man. Nails through his hands and feet as he hung upon the cross. As he would look at John and said, Behold thy mother and Mary, behold thy son. Weeping. But... It was coming. An empty tomb three days later. A risen Savior, a risen Son who ascended up into glory. And one day she was going to see Him face to face. It was a message of grace. It was a message of salvation. It was a message of a kingdom to come. It was a message of faith. Go back there to the book of Luke and look at Luke chapter... Luke there in Luke verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel... How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? How am I going to have a child? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. And then this statement, For with God nothing shall be what? Impossible. And Mary said, Behold thy handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. There's that verse. For with God nothing shall be impossible. We sing the song. Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. It's a Christmas carol. You just didn't know it, right? Okay, there it is. Another Christmas carol to add to your repertoire. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Mary said, How shall this be? I like the way the angel said, 
It's just, and, and behold, the Holy Ghost is going to do it. And he was a little bit softer on her than he was on Zacharias, wasn't he? I, I kind of, that kind of makes me laugh, all right? It's as almost like to Zachariah, he said, suck it up. But he was a little bit more gracious to Mary, right, Samuel? And be, be, it's okay, just toughen up here, all right? But to Mary, he said, hey, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. Christian, I would remind you it was a message of faith. A message of faith. There was a time, he said, there's, here's the message. There's a message of grace. God took notice of you. And nothing has changed. He took notice. It was a message of salvation. For the grace of God that, bring, that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. It's readily available. The Son of God left the throne of heaven to be born in a manger, to give his life on Calvary, to die on the cross for your sin. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It was a message of salvation. It was a message of a coming kingdom. We have something to look forward to. Whatever burden you bear, friend, it'll come down off one day. Whatever tear you may shed, it'll be wiped away someday. There's coming a day. But it's a message of faith. It's a message for the lost man. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness. For by grace are ye saved through what? That grace appeared. But what it does in your life is based upon whether you trust him or not. For the grace of God, the grace that brings salvation, hath appeared unto all men. But will you trust in what he did? For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and not of yourselves, but the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Will you trust in him? It'll determine your future and your eternity, whether you trust in him or not. But not merely for the lost man, it's the message for a saved man. Without faith, it is impossible to what? Please him. You can't please him without it. The just shall live by faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them which diligently seek him. He said, you're going to have to remember this, that God expects faith in his people. God is pleased by the faith of his people and it is a necessity to the Christian life. You're going to have to trust, friend, that God settles everything one day. That it may be rough for a time, but God settles it all one day. There's times where you look around the world and you think, what is going on? Why, I think of the Psalms as he would write, why did the heathen rage? Why don't they just give in? God's going to win anyway. Well, they're fighting, they're wrestling, but God is going to fulfill his will. You cannot stop him, and he is coming. And the call of the Christian is this. Nothing is impossible. Look at what she says there. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. Isn't that the call for every Christian, every lost person? Be it unto me according to thy word. I know who your son is. I know what he did for me. I, I know that there's a kingdom coming. I'm just going to trust you. Be it unto me according to thy word. I see what you have said. I believe what has been said. And I'm telling you, friend, he has given you a book to simply say, be it unto me according to thy word. 
It is the message of God, the gospel. It's the message of salvation. It's the message of Christian living. It's the message that reminds us that one day he is coming again. Be it unto me according to thy word. You know, Christian, the answer to the Christmas story is be it unto me according to thy word. There is a message of grace. There's a message of salvation. Hey, there is, there is a message of a coming kingdom. And there's a call to faith. And our response is be it unto me according to thy word. I'm just going to trust him. I'm just going to trust him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He died on that cross for you and I. Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. The Lord gave his life at the cross, and he asked in return that we live for him. Be it unto me according to thy word. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. The Lord shows up to this lady and gives her an incredible message. But it wasn't just a message for her. It was a message for you and I. As you look around the world, and I don't know what your individual circumstances may be, there is still a message, isn't there? There is a message of grace. God has taken notice of you. God has taken notice. He hasn't missed it. He noticed. And there's a message of salvation for all. For whosoever is called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's a message of a coming kingdom, friend. He came as a savior. Next time he's coming as king. He came full of grace and truth. And next time he's coming as king of kings and Lord and Lord and coming in justice. He's going to rule and reign. And there's a call. Trust in the one. I like how Revelations calls him faithful and true. Faithful and true. There is one who is perfectly faithful and perfectly true, and his name is Jesus. Trust him. Never a failure, never letting someone down. He is faithful and he is true. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for the scripture and we thank you for the word of God. And I thank you for the message of Christmas. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for us and rose again. Lord, I pray that as you have spoken to our hearts, we'll respond to you. Maybe there's someone this morning that doesn't know Christ. Lord, today they want to put their trust in the one who died for them. Maybe it's a simple reminder to someone that God has taken notice. As surely as he noticed Mary and Joseph, he has noticed us. Or maybe it's a reminder to just simply trust in you. To have faith in you because you have a purpose and you have a plan. I pray that we would trust you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you this where you're at. How many of you could say, preacher, there was a time in my life when I trusted Christ. For me, for me personally, it was in May of 95. When was you, you trusted Christ? And less about whether you remember the exact moment. But you could say, preacher, I've trusted in Christ. I can look back and I remember, may not remember the date and time. But I have placed my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I died right now, I know that I'm with him. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand? Say, preacher, I know the one who was born in that manger. Thank you. you may put your hand down. Is there anybody here this morning who said, preacher, I'm unsure of that fact. You may know the Christmas story, but do you know the one who was born in that manger? You say, preacher, I'm unsure of that, and I want to take care of that this morning. If that's you, would you raise your hand? You say, preacher, would you pray for me, please? 
And Christian, let me ask you this. How many of you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? Maybe it's a simple reminder that God has taken notice or the call to simply trust him. But you'd say, preacher, through the course of the message, the Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart this morning. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play as God has spoken to your heart? Do business with the Lord this morning. The altar is open. I, I would challenge you with this. As God has spoken, respond. I, Mary didn't remain silent as the angel brought her the news. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. Maybe to take time and say, Lord, as you've spoken, be it unto me according to thy word. Whether it's a call to trust him or a simple reminder, but whatever it is that God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord this morning.